morning. Let's stand together. Psalm 75. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks. You reveal your presence. People tell about your mighty deeds. And God says at the appointed times, I will judge fairly. And when the earth and all its inhabitants dissolve in fear, I will make his pillars secure. I say to the proud, do not be proud. And to the wicked, do not be so confident of victory. Do not be so certain you have won. And do not speak with your head held so high. For the victory does not come from the east or from the west or from the wilderness. Because God, we say you're our judge and you will bring down one and you will exalt another. For the Lord holds in his hand a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices and he pours it out. Surely all the wicked of the earth will slurp it up and drink it to its very last drop. As for me, as for me, maybe you say that to the Lord yourself, as for me, as for me, I will continually tell what you have done. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. And God says, I will bring down all the power of the wicked. And the godly will be victorious. Amen. Is our God like a mighty fortress? Is our God come run into Him? 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 The mighty fortress. Come run into him. Come run into him. Come run into him. Come run into him. The mighty fortress. The mighty fortress. The darkness is rising. Dark clouds are falling, but the dawn is behind. A mighty fortress is our God, like a mighty fortress, like a mighty fortress. 
Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. And all the people were seeing the thundering and the lightning and heard the sound of the horn, and they saw the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled with fear, and they kept their distance. They said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear. For God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, so that you do not sin. And the people kept their distance. But Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. I would say to you, draw near. And draw near up into the Lord. And come up into the mount of the Lord. Don't draw back. Don't draw back in fear, but come near to the Lord. Oh, draw near to the Lord. All ye saints, draw near to the Lord. Come near to the Lord. I thought it would be different, but I want you more. 
into the darkness, into the pain, into, 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 I go to find you. Oh, the mighty fortress, the mighty fortress, the mighty fortress. Mighty fortress. Oh, and he rejoices. He rejoices. Oh, will you be Moses or the people of Israel? Don't let the lightning and thundering and earthquakes and smoke, don't let it deter you, don't let it, don't let it keep you at bay, dive in like Moses, dive in, the thunder and it's rolling through the land oh he's the lion of Judah oh oh the lion of Judah king 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 all honor due to him he's the lion of Judah the right, he has the right, he has the right of all men. Oh, King, 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 oh, King, 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 mighty warrior, mighty warrior, oh, King, like a mighty Like a mighty warrior Is this king of us This king of us Breaks a 
of strength. You're my stronghold and my deliverer. My God is my rocky summit where I take shelter. You're my shield, Lord. You're the horn that saves me and my refuge. I call to the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I was delivered I was delivered, I was delivered from all my enemies. I'll give you a shout of praise, because I know my Redeemer liveth. Lord, you're my deliverer. Bless the name of the Lord. to me, 
Come unto me, all you who are weary. Any right uh, hip uh, tendonitis in your hip, you have tendonitis. Anybody? Any tendonitis going on right here? Just come forward. We're going to pray over you. There's an issue in here, too, and you know we can't see it. But if you think you have an issue with a, a gallstones or gallbladder issue, I want you to come forward. We're gonna uh, pray for the pray for your healing. This would be like a gallbladder, gallstone type issue, and it may be. And I've had this happen before with the Lord. Where He'll call it out in the event, and He'll heal someone that's on the audio or on the video. But we've had it. I've had them report in. So if David, are you saying you might? Is that an issue? Are you praying for the sick? You got pain? Okay, all right, all right. I, I want to testify in this place that I have had multiple reports of healing out of this house. And you move in your faith that the Lord's putting you, and He will heal you. I have, I have had people writing me and saying, You called it exactly what it was, and I was healed instantly in my seed. And I want you to trust the Lord right now and just transfer your faith, just like the woman did when she grabbed the hem of his garment. And she went through the whole crowd and he said, Who touched me? I mean, everybody's touching you, Lord. No, someone drew on the power of the Lord. And you draw on the Lord right now and he will meet you right now and heal your body. And I thank you, Lord, now. I thank you for healing, Lord. Release healing in this house. And release healing even out in the audio, Lord, in the video that's coming out. And I don't know who you are, but the Lord. Mighty to save and mighty to heal. Jesus, we thank you. We lift up ourselves to you. We praise you, Lord. Yes. I give you praise and I give you thanksgiving. I give it to you in advance. As I say, we dance on injustice. Oh, praise the Lord. All you saints, praise the Lord. Now, now, right now. Healed in the name of the Lord. Done. don't have to come forward on this, but the Lord tells me to call this out. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder from the past, things that put you in a high level of trauma and pain from your past. 
even the healing of the mind to release healing right now for PTSD. But I've been under trauma for long seasons. I've been through hardship and, oh, Lord, minister, minister to our mind. The seas believing faith and sees you. I pray that this light for the hope of glory, not based in the past or based in the future. And I declare to you, cast all your cares on him. Listen to me, for he cares for you. PTSD may have been diagnosed on you, but it is not going to define you because your past does not define you. And I will not be defined by my past, but I'll be defined today by your sovereign goodness to me, Lord. That you love me. Oh, we're free, free, free indeed. For the Lord has come to set us free. It's for freedom that you came. To liberate. I'm not a captive anymore. Worship the Lord, free to go up into the heavens. Climb, climb, climb. Blessing church. Ascend and praise, ascend and worship.
this morning as um, uh, early in, early this morning at this picture of the Lord Jesus himself as king with full royal robes crown and he was present here and it it was an invitation to receive him in the fullness of his kingship he rules he has dominion over everything the invitation was to posture our hearts to receive to bow before him Jesus we welcome you here we want you we want you your kingdom your kingdom come we want you to rule and reign over us in us and through us to dwell within us each one of us we receive you we see you in your splendor your glory your majesty kindness your goodness your faithfulness thank you that you have come thank you that you have come to be with us to vindicate decree over every heart in this room receive the lord receive the lord he is lord he is king he is magnificent he is beautiful he is powerful he is light and in him there is no darkness at all Revelation chapter 19 And after these things I heard what sounded like a loud voice Of a vast throng in heaven saying Hallelujah Say it with me Hallelujah Come on Hallelujah Say it again Salvation and glory, salvation and glory, power belong to our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Salvation is yours. 
Beginning of all, the source of all, all hail him. Mm. Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, are yours, yours, beginning and end.
He said to me, I want to tabernacle with you. And all we have to do is let him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, you have to open up the door of your heart. And you have to let him come in so he can sup with you. Because the Lord will not impose his will on any of us. He's not an imposer. He's not an imposter. He's a lover. And you have to say to him, I want you and I long for you. And he says, y'all come to the one who wants me and opens the door to me. It's a yes. It's a yes and the vacancy is the yes and the vulnerability. It's a yes for the new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm not who I was yesterday. Christ in me, the hope of glory. See? Christ in me, Christ tabernacling in me. Well, there's a second coming. There's a literal second coming, but there's a second coming now. 
I want to tabernacle with you. I want to take over. (laughs) You know, in this event, why not become a partaker of the divine nature? Why not right now? Why not now while he seeds you with another aspect of his word into your consciousness and makes you new today? In the midst of the presence of the Lord. I'll give, I'll give myself to the one who will give all their self to me. I'll give you all of me. If you'll give me all of you. And I want to render up to you, Father. As a son, oh, Romans 8 is upon us. Though I've sat in darkness, Micah 7, and though I've been in a dark place, though I've been convoluted by the ways of this world and my own sin, though I've been in that place, I will rise as I was made. I was made for love. I was made for you. I was made and created for God. Yes, you are. Oh, sons and daughters, lend up your heart to the Lord. Lord, how numerous have been my enemies. Many have been attacking me. And they've been saying about me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, you're a shield that protects me. You're my glory. You're the one who restores me. To the Lord I cried out, and he answered me from his holy hill. And I entered into rest and slept. And I awoke, for the Lord protects me. I'm not afraid of a multitude of people who attack me in every direction. Rise, O Lord, to your resting place. That's what David said in Psalms 132. And he said in Psalms 3, Rise, rise, Lord. Rise in me. Peter said it. Until the morning star rises in your hearts. Morning star rise in me. We are like the stars. Growing brighter and brighter until we see the day of the Lord. Eyes on the Lord. Eyes on me. Eyes on the Lord. Deliver me, God. Yes, you will strike the enemies on the jaw. You'll break all their teeth of the wicked. The Lord delivers. You show favor to your people.
is like my God, my enemies, they consume themselves. Who is like my king, he who rules with compassion and love. Who is like my warrior, he who rescues me and will avenge me. It's only a little while that I sit in darkness, rejoice not against me, O enemy, and when I fall, I shall arise. The Lord is my
Gideon, you have 3,000. That's too many. That's too many, too many. The battle is mine. He can win with one, ten, ten thousand. He can win against one, ten, or ten thousand. More is with us than is with them. More is with us than is with them. It's only a little while. I sit in darkness. Rejoice not against me, O oh enemy, and when I fall, I shall arise. The Lord is my life, He pleads my cause, He will hear me, and He will say, Captain of the host of heaven, when he speaks, he speaks. Come light, come light, light behind the sun, come light. The battle is yours, the battle is yours, the battle is yours. And arm yourself with truth, arm yourself with light, arm yourself with the word of the living God, the only grounds for all. Arm yourself with light, and arm yourself with truth. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord. Arm yourself with truth. And arm yourself with light. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle. told me he said you just you just stabilized the nation and Stephen said in my heart (laughs) 
thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we place all our trust in you. This nation is yours, Lord. Christ a solid rock has stand. <laughs> right? All of the ground is sinking sand. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And the Lord shall drink by the brook in the way. And there he shall lift up his head. Amen. All right, good morning. <laughs> Let's get started in Zechariah. We've been going through the book of Zechariah. We finished up the first vision, and we'll be moving to the second vision today. And... Zechariah chapter 1, verse 18 through uh, 21. Once again, I looked, and this time I saw four horns. So I asked the angelic messenger who spoke with me, what are these? And he replied, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. And next the Lord showed me four blacksmiths, and I asked, what are these going to do? He answered, These horns are the ones that have scattered Judah so that there is no one to be seen. But the blacksmiths have come to terrify Judah's enemies and cut off the horns of the nations that have thrust themselves against the land of Judah in order to scatter its people. Let's pray. Hey, Father, I love you. Is so good. And I know you see us. And I know that if we know that you see us and that you hear us, that whatever petition we ask of you that we have, and I pray today would please your heart and would please you, Father. And also, I pray, Lord, for the ability to speak something that is so far beyond my capacity that I would be able to say what it is that you want to say to your church. And I pray, Lord, for our hearing, that you would open up our ears to hear what you, the Spirit of the Lord, are saying to us. And may it integrate, not just in our natural hearing, Lord, but may this message like integrate in our, well, may the word become flesh and dwell. Lord, help this not to be just like a, this to be a demonstration of who you are. And may you take over 
and maybe you receive all the glory because you're the, you're the worthy one. And we give you honor and praise and glory. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. In this section, it's called the Avenger of the Afflicted. In the previous one, the previous section that we've been through that took approximately eight weeks to go through, the title of that was the governor of the nations. And, and I believe that the idea, at least from what I've understood from the Lord, is the Lord wanted a very real presence among the Israel of God in his people on the earth, ruling and taking dominion with him. And that the dominion mandate that was given to Adam and Eve, you know, go forth and be fruitful and replenish the earth, has largely through the epic of man has been lost and that the Lord has been looking for a people even back all the way from Adam and during the fall and what happened in Genesis 3 that the Lord has been marking a people all throughout creation history looking for a people that would completely be devoted completely loyal and completely his and it in the great travesty of the fall, the Lord moves through and we see uh, the transition that happens. We see the nations rally together in Genesis 11, right? At Babel. And they unify themselves together and they, they try to, they build a tower into the heavens because I believe they were looking to open up a portal between heaven and earth. And God says that these people are so strong in their connectability and they're getting together to do something in their own name, that if I continue to allow this, that basically they would see themselves as triumphing even over and beyond himself. And so the Lord in that place scatters them, scatters them to the four corners of the earth and changes their languages and, and you know, and that happens. In Genesis 12, after Genesis 11, the Lord, because Nimrod had said in Genesis 11, I will make my name great. And then you see a great juxtaposition when God calls one man, Abram, and Sarah out of Ur of the Chaldees, and he raises up a man who says to him, I will make your name great, and you will be blessed to be a blessing. And you see the switch in the language of multinational, multinations coming together to affect something out of their own strength and out of their own ability and out of their own might. And the Lord is greatly opposed to that in the nations. And then he takes a man, he marks him and his wife, and he begins that journey. And you've read it, Genesis 12 on it, much into uh, Genesis 22. And I'm sure that many of you studied the relation of Abram and his journey with Sarah and what they went through as a family. And you know, and out of that family, he's going to receive forth the son Isaac, the promised son, they'll wait 25 years to receive that son. And then you know, that son, the miracle promise, it says in Romans 4:18, I believe it says, you know, and Abram hoped against hope because Sarah was barren and, barren, and then barrenness, there was no hope for that baby to be born. That man, he put his full trust and confidence in the Lord. And he was, he was in contradiction to Nimrod, very dependent incapable of bringing anything to pass for God, even though God had spoke to him and placed it in his heart. 
And you start to begin to see the very nature of a people that God is going to rally to build a nation out of, a nation that would be completely vulnerable and dependent on the very nature and being of God. I'll make your name great, so you're not going to do this. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to have to do it for my people. And, um, you know, I don't, I'm sure Abram had to get himself out of all the things he could do and make happen and bring to pass. Because that Nimrod, that Nimrod nature was infected the whole entire human race called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm going, I'm going to do it. I'm going to push through and make this happen. The Lord's like, no. You're going to learn to come in to rest. And out of rest, I'm going to go and work through you. And so we see this pattern begins to set up inside of God's people. And then comes forth to Isaac, the promised son, and then Jacob, right, in the 12 tribes. And out of that 12 tribe motif that bursts itself out of Jacob, now the Lord is beginning to manifest, I believe, what was right back in Adam, that Adam had this installed on his heart with Sarah as even a high priest. These 12 sons or these, this, this garment that the high priest would wear. And you know how the story goes in the family and the contradictions in the family and all the different things, you know, uh, that happens in that family of Israel. But the Lord had had a plan there that he was going to bring forth a nation. And, you, you know, you'll see that out of that later on, you're going to have Moses and you're going to have the Exodus, right? And the people are going to be delivered in this vast story. And how can I tell this story? I can't tell you the whole, that whole story today, but, you know, I, this morning when I got up, I said, what do I do today? You know, I, how do I do this? And he says, rally my nation. Rally them. Rally my people. And I said, okay, I'll do, I'll do what you say. I'll do what you say. I'll attempt today to rally us together, to bring us together. Um, Stephen and I was talking this last week, and I said, you know, we've been through a lot together. And um, he said, yeah, it's, it's been something. Coming into this facility and the things that we've all faced together. And I said, I looked at him, I said, somewhere deep down inside, and we need the grace of God to, to go forward because we're under a divine mandate and we must, we must go forward by the grace of God. We're gonna have to find something maybe we've never known, but we're gonna have to find a place in him that we haven't been this way heretofore, right, Henry? Henry said that many times to me, uh, Pastor, we've not been this way heretofore. I would definitely challenge all of us in this room that the ground that you're walking in right now, you've never been before. You do not have a precedent to base it upon in the past. We're in the middle of a pioneering initiative and we are marking something out in advance, spearheading something. The Lord has put a divine mandate on this house and he will, he will bring it to fulfillment. In the second vision here, in what he's saying, I believe, is that four horns have rose up to come against and against Judah against Israel and against Jerusalem to scatter the people. In the, in the attempt to bring a, 
like a desolation to bring something that would cause the people of God to be turned against each other and be scattered apart from each other, that the enemy has, is using these four horns or their four beast empires to come against the Lord's people. And I don't believe today that I'm going to get into that because that's in the uh, book of Daniel because I've, I've got to like set this up as we go forward, but that there have been these four empires, one of them being uh, Babylon and Medo-Persian empire and one, the Roman empire, the Greco-Roman empire, but they have different philosophies and mindsets that look to, that the enemy looks to, to uh, come against God's people when they're in the midst of the Lord raising up a family or raising up something as a beauty to himself. And the Lord wants us, I believe, in the next season that we're going into to be aware of how that works against us as his people and be wise to the enemy as he himself is being raised up in our midst, Christ in us, Christ in you is being raised up in our midst and how the enemy would want to put a stop to that work and, and keep us from seeing the work of the Lord come forward. I was reminded uh, this week when I was, our family's in the middle of moving, and so the Lord's having to talk to me early in the mornings, and, which he normally does, but he took me this passage this week in Psalms 132, which is just a famous, famous passage that, uh, speaking of David, and it, it says, it, Psalms 132.1 David making a vow before the Lord. It says, remember, Lord, and please do not forget all the affliction that David had to pass through. He said because he, he swore that he wouldn't even go into his own house. He wouldn't give sleep to his eyes nor slumber to his eyelids until he found a place until he found a fine dwelling place for the mighty God of Jacob. David had heard about it in Bethlehem. He had heard about it, it says, in Ephratah. He had heard about this worshiping of the presence of the Lord in jars, it said, in, in the, the place of the ark. He heard about this and he longed for the presence of God and the kavod of God's glory to return back to the people of the Lord. He had a longing in his heart. He had, he had listened maybe to generations passage. Remember when the presence of the Lord came into the midst of the people and how he rescued us out of the Red Sea and how he took us through the wilderness, and how he brought us across the Jordan and, and how he came and we defeated those 31 kings in the conquest and remember how he, he set up his government in a nation within our midst. Remember, and David was mindful that the presence of the Lord was everything to Israel. And he longed, I believe, and had zeal in his heart for the house of the Lord, that within the house of the Lord, God would return to his people. And if you've ever been in dead church, if you've ever darken the doors of the thing that just the Lord's not there. You, you know the difference when the Lord's presence is among us and when the Lord's not there. We want to, you know, please the Lord, and David knew that. He's without the ark of God's presence in the midst of Israel, we have nothing. I mean, because there's a lot of things that the church could accomplish for God 
but God may not even be in the middle of it. And then David goes on about that. He, he finds out you can't put God on a nice cart, and you know, later on he gets angry, and, and then he finally learns and reads his Bible, and he comes in to realizing that how the ark of God has to come into the city. He wanted to see the presence of the Lord dwell among the people. And he became passionate about it and went through a lot of affliction over it. It's amazing how much, and I, I don't know, I'm sure that many of you have dealt with different types of affliction. Believing the Lord for him to do something, that his presence would come in among his people is like, what, did hap- what happened to you, Brad Ames? What happened to you? Why do you act the way you do? I mean, why are you the way you are? Because he came to me. You know, he messed with me. I was in my career. I was doing my thing. And the Lord showed up and he took me. He started messing with me. He started revealing himself to me. And I've been sort of like, ever since, like, I got to go wherever he goes. I don't care. I'm going to find him. I'm going to be in his presence. I'll tell you that. I'm, I, don't, I don't, where are you at, Lord? And wherever you're at, that's where I'm going. Because you so marked my life. You so got to me. I tasted you in worship. I got to know you, and I'm going to follow you wherever you go. I'm, I'm a seeker of the presence. Looking for you. I don't care where I have to go. You know, cathedral, here, cave, closet, Castle, who gives a flip if his presence is there? Where is my beloved? Doesn't matter to me what the context is. I want him. I'm just looking for you, Lord, wherever you're at. Becomes like this, you become marked and I've got to have you. And that's, I got to have you. You're everything to me. Yeah, but they said this about me. They did this. They think this about me. They say all this stuff. Who cares? I want you, Lord. Like, let the fire of God burn in your heart, Henry Todd. When he marked you years ago and you said, I want you and I'll do whatever it takes. You know, I want you. I want you. Isaiah 53, 7, he was treated harshly and afflicted. But he didn't even open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughtering block, like a sheep silent before her shears. He did not even open his mouth. It takes wisdom to know when to come in and when to go out. There's things that you need to say and there's things that you don't need to say. You know, there's time to be quiet and there's a time to speak. And I tell you, the wisdom of God in this season that we're in and where we're at, there's a time to declare from the presence of the Lord what he's saying, homologeo, saying the same thing he says, and there's a time to be quiet. There's a time that you don't need to be defensive You don't need to come out and attack someone else. You don't need to say something off. 
It's a time to be really careful with your words. I think that a lot of things that happen, especially under pressure moments or when we're coming into a place like this, and we were looking at this last week when we ate together, Psalms 118.8, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in men. Now, hear me out here because I think that what happens in it, let's just get down to it in the nitty-gritty practical every day. What happens maybe at the bottom line when you're placed into a context like we are, there's two things that happen, and I've I've taught on this before, and I'll tell it again. One of them is to turn insular and to look at your lack or the favor that's on your life and look at yourself, and the other one is to look at others and start to finger point. This is really simple. Don't do that. (laughs) Stop it. Stop doing that. Stop making internal judgments and external judgments in the middle of pressure. I like what Tom Gross said to me before a few weeks ago. He said, it's his covenant. It's his covenant. And it's looking at him that's going to bring us through. It's just giving our eyes to him in the middle of the pressure, in the middle of the Uh, the things circling all around us. We must be cognizant, especially in this house, we must be cognizant to get our eyes fixed on Jesus, get our eyes on the Lord and not on one another or ourselves. I mentioned this last week, and I'm gonna go into this now. On December the 30th, which was actually uh, Karen and I's 22nd anniversary, I, um, I wake up in the middle of the night in a full-blown sweat, and I'd had a, a really bad fever, and it breaks. And I wake up, and I had to change my clothes, and, and I can't get off of my mind that the vision that actually I'm supposed to begin to impart today. And I, I was laying there in the bed thinking, how in the world do I bring out this message, the avenger of the afflicted? I, I just don't know what, I don't understand, Lord. And so while I was in there, I, w- I was thinking, if you, Lord, are saying what I understand you to say to me, that you're building a national level uh, work within us, I don't wanna be prideful about that, but if, if this, all these words that have been bringing us together and everything is really true, then how in the world are we going to affect change in this nation? I mean, I, and, and what do we do? And how are we gonna bring this to pass? And I was really honestly in sort of a quandary. And I told this last week, I, I said to the Lord, I said, but I'm a little child and I don't have the capacity. I mean, I feel that right now, to be frankly honest with you. I feel like, you know, what is that in Psalms? Is it 133? Not to speak of things that are too high for you to speak of, to be careful. Now, I feel that right now. I want to be so careful about handling this text and handling what uh, this, this word today said. I'm like a little child and I cannot get out of my mind what Winston Churchill said that he could not forecast the action of Russia. He said, it, it's a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. But perhaps there is a key, and he said this, the key is 
Russian national interest. I'm laying in the bed and I'm like, what in the world does that mean? A riddle wrapped in a mystery inside of enigma. And I'm gonna do my best to unscramble that this morning. I knew when I was looking into that, I knew there was a deeper meaning there. And I just knew that if I could wait before the Lord, I maybe could figure out or come into it. And that's when I told the Lord, you know, I'm but a little child. And as you know, I went and looked it up and I found a couple of guys in the Bible that said that. One Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 and one Solomon in 1 Kings 3. And so it, I went and did some research and I found a, a man by the name of Dr. S. Lewis Johnson Jr. Anybody know who that is? He, uh, he led a congregation uh, called Believer's Chapel in Dallas, Texas. And um, he went to DTS, I don't know if, Dallas Theological Seminary. And I have an excerpt from a transcript where he did a sermon on Zechariah uh, chapter one, verses 18 through 21. And I thought, you know what? I'll humble myself. If this is over my head, maybe it's not over someone else's. And I don't think, I don't know that I've ever done this. I may have, but... I'm going to read some of what he said because I've, and I'm gonna give credit to him. He, he passed away, I believe in 2004. He's a phenomenal speaker, phenomenal preacher. And I wanna put some of this out because I needed help with it. And it seemed like that he had a really good handle at least on describing this. And, the, and I believe this, this was in the context of um, Lyndon B. Johnson when he was president of the United States. He said this. The continuance Jewish national survival is just as astounding, if not more so. In fact, men who have studied the history of the nation of Israel have continually been astounded by the fact that Israel is still with us today. Now, he's talking about national Israel, and I just want to separate one thing here because Susanna actually sent me something this week and I had to send it back to her because, and I, I need to clarify this before we just head into this because she, she I think was making a statement uh, because she says, and she writes this to me, and we are Israel, Susanna does. And I sent her this and I wanna just caveat around this, Romans 9, six through eight. It is not as though the word of God has failed for not all those who are descended from Israel are truly Israel. Nor are all the children of Abraham's true descendants. Rather, through Isaac will your descendants be counted. This means it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. Rather, it's the children of promise excuse me, who are counted as descendants. Now, I, I gotta say this too, because I'm not a replacement, I'm not even a theologian, but I'm not a replacement guy. <laughs> there they say, I'm a replacement theologian, I'm not a replacement theologian, but I'm not even a theologian or a scholar. Uh, but I don't go for replacement theology, I just wanna say that out loud, and if you know what I mean by that, and so, I don't wanna like get in this thing where God doesn't have a plan for national Israel that relates to the whole world because I believe that he does. And I believe that he loves his uh, 
firstborn son. And I certainly uh, don't want to boast against that. As it says, don't do that because if you do, you yourself could be cut off because we have been grafted in, it says there in Romans. And it's, you know, there's some complexity to this, but while going back to what Dr. Johnson said, when he's talking about Israel, I want us to have that understanding because it's really important before we progress into this because of the way you or uh, someone may think when we're talking about Israel as a nation and then Israel as it relates to the context of this, this ministry, the Israel, you, the ones who are the children of promise, not the children of the flesh, being Israel. And I think if you can see that, you can at least have an understanding of how this, while it applies to national Israel's election, it applies to the election concerning you, those of you who are the children of promise. And so then he goes on, he says, that there's been this history of the nation of Israel We've been astounded by the fact that they're still with us today. For example, he says, the German philosopher Hegel once said, with reference to the Jews, it is a dark, troublesome enigma to me. Now, when, when I read this, I was like, wait a minute, that's Winston Churchill using enigma for me. I saw this film called Enigma, and that's what got my attention about the text and enigma, because I was sitting there watching that, the whole thing about World War II and the Enigma machine. I don't know if you know about the, the Enigma code that was used by the Nazis. And then I stumble across this, this guy's text and then Winston Churchill's thing and I see three Enigmas and I was like, oh, you're talking to me, Lord. And that's what's brought me into this today is how having three encounters with the word of Enigma within probably less than two hours. And he says, Hegel said, it's a dark, troublesome enigma to me, and I am not able to understand it. It does not fit any of our categories. And then Hegel says this, it's a riddle. I'm like, Winston Churchill and Hegel must have been on the same thing about two different things, trying to figure out how how does this nation make it? So Nicholas, and I'm not gonna pronounce his last name right, uh, Berdyav in Russian, the Russian philosopher commented upon the Jewish national survival by saying, I remember how the materialist interpretation of history when I attempted in my youth to verify it by applying it to the destinies of peoples. But it broke down in the case of the Jews where destiny seemed absolutely inexplicable from the materialist viewpoint. And indeed, according to He says the materialistic and positivistic criterion, this people ought long ago to have perished. Its survival is a mysterious and wonder phenomenon demonstrating that the life of this people is governed by a special, listen, predetermination. Transcending the process of adaptation expounded by the materialistic interpretation of history. There's no reason, (laughs) let me just come outside of this for a bit. I don't know how many times we've come into these events and I was like, I don't know if we're gonna make it, Lord. You ever felt that? I don't know if this ministry is going to make it. 
It feels like it's on a shoestring on the edge. Like, I don't know if this person, this person don't like this thing and that thing and this thing and what, if, what if, you know, it's like, and how are we gonna make it? And, and uh, we'll come in, we'll get into worship and I'm like, everything's okay. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what I was thinking. It wouldn't have made a difference if you get into the presence of the Lord and you're just like, Psh. we're not just making it, we're overcoming. We just took the whole nation today. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, God's interpretation and his view of things is so different than the way we look at it. And how in the world are the Jews able to survive in the middle of the Holocaust, in the middle of all the travesty and pogroms and you know, the diaspora, how do these people come together and how are they still even existing with the hostility that comes against them? Any of y'all been feeling any of that? Any of you not known before where you're gonna live next? Any of you ever felt like you're just like right on the edge all the time? Any of you experienced complete vulnerability and dependence? Yeah, welcome to being the Israel of God. <laughs> he said, I can't figure it out because there's no way that you're going to make it. But he said, there must be a special predetermination. Hey, not just predestination, predetermination. Like, wait, God must be so involved in my life because he, I don't know how I'm making it, but I still am. <laughs> and he's still speaking. And it's a wonder why anybody would want to get involved with anything like that. I mean, it's a wonder that you wanted to get involved. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was that he predetermined your involvement before the foundation of the earth and called you as his sons and daughters before you were even put inside your body. Maybe he didn't just predestine you, but predetermined. <laughs> well, people don't like that. You know, when I hear... Um, and I hear Lineker get up here today and he talks about the king. I remember years ago at the fire department when the Lord said, you think that a carpenter from Nazareth is offensive? Try a king who owns everybody and everything and has the right to tell you what to do and completely take over your complete entire frame. You know, he's like, I'm the monarch. I'm in charge. I own everybody and everything. <laughs> Try to find that you are actually resisting me as rightful king. You're in, a, you're in some kind of socialist, democratic, so-called democratic republic where you decide whatever you wanna do. You can say whatever you wanna say and get on TV. You guys can have all your talking head things and say whatever. I'm just sitting up there laughing about it all. <laughs> it's a big joke to the Lord. And you don't embrace, people don't like my sovereignty. They don't like me to be in charge. And you, if you're gonna come on with me, you're gonna go deeper and deeper into utter dependence, deeper, deeper into vulnerability, deeper, deeper that you're not running your life that I am. And it's not a bad thing actually <laughs> because what the Lord has decided is better than what you would decide. If you were to decide for yourself, what he would decide for you would be way better. You know, 
And but the people today, especially in our culture and our context that we're in today is like, no one's gonna tell me what to do. No one's, I mean, it's like this with some people. Even if you make an indirect, kind gesture toward them, they'll snap back at you. You know what I'm talking about? You ever tried to just give someone just a little help in an area and kind of push them in the right direction and they snap at you? I mean, the rebellion inside of man's heart today has grown to such a capacity, no one would take anything with humility hardly. I wouldn't take correction. No one's gonna correct me. No one's gonna tell me anything. And yet we have a king, you know. <laughs> so he, he knew that this predestination uh, he says that it transcended everything. He, the survival of the Jews, their resistance to destruction, their endurance under absolutely peculiar conditions, and the fateful role played by them in history, all these point to a particular and mysterious foundation of their destiny. And so he goes on to say that the, the philosopher Bird Yaev and Hegel are merely echoing in terms what the academics would understand the facts that the Bible has set for us uh, many hundreds of years ago. For example, in the 54th chapter of the prophet Isaiah in the ninth and 10th verses, there is a definite reference to national survival of the nation Israel. Will you notice, he says the 54th chapter of the book of Isaiah in ninth and 10th verses, and listen to what it says. For this is like the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn, the waters of Noah shall no more go over the earth. So have I sworn that I will not be angry with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. Saith the Lord who has mercy on me. In other words, the mountains, may, the mountains may go away and the hills may go away, but Israel will not go. The only way is, is if they go and they haven't. God's not going to allow his predetermined nation over your life and his election for you to extend mercy to you. Nothing's gonna stop it. Now, everything may threaten it. It may look like, I'm not gonna make it. Listen, now, yeah, it's an end time message. So much hostility is going to raise up in the nations. It's already happening against God's people and his elect. And it's going to look like circumstantially in many situations with many of you, that it's just not gonna make it. That you have no, you have no way through and the Lord, I think, would say to us, like, you know, and he's saying this, he's been saying this to me, do you trust me? Do you trust me that I got you? I don't know, Lord. <laughs> trust me. Place your full confidence in me, but I don't see a path ahead. I don't see any way out. Trust me, I have a predetermination. I have a, I have a predilection towards you. My, my love towards you, I'm going to extend mercy to you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to take care of you. You're my sons and daughters. I've got you. And I'm not just gonna do that. I'm going to avenge you. 
In Jeremiah 31, 35, and 36, it says, Thus saith the Lord who giveth the sun for a light by day and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, who divides the sea when its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. Listen to this. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, that's the sun and the moon. If they depart from him, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me evermore. If the sun and moon depart, then Israel will cease to be. The national survival of Israel is nothing more than the fulfillment of the prophecy of the word of God. He says, now Hegel's astonished by this because he's astonished by the word of God. Bered Yaev is astonished by this because he too is astonished essentially by the word of God, which is prophesied that Jewish national survival. Now, not only has the Bible stated that Jewish national survival is to be expected, it's also going on to say that Jewish national survival this is a strong thing, is the key to the peace of this world. So what is the riddle wrapped in a mystery inside of an enigma? Well, I'm gonna give you some scripture on this. In Matthew, Jesus says this, he replied in Matthew 13, 11 through 13, he says, he replied, you have been given the opportunity to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but they have not. For whoever has will be given more and will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. For this reason, I speak to them in parables. Although they see, they do not see. And although they hear, they do not hear and they do not understand. What, that there's a mystery and I'm speaking parabolically and yet the people do not understand when Jesus was speaking in a riddle type fashion they couldn't understand what he was saying. Why? And I'll tell you, I, I think it's the one who's hungry that comes through the parabolic or through the riddle and begins to behold the face of the Lord. Because he said, you know, uh, seek my face. And I know, you know, a lot of people have told me, I don't understand you, Carol. And I said, well, years ago, he told me, he said, speak like I tell you to speak. And I said, yeah, but it's like a, it's like a paradox. It's like a, it's like an odd speech. Uh, no one's going to understand me. They're going to look at me and say, I don't get what he's saying at all. I don't even get how it applies. And where's the four points in a poem? You know, and I was like, I don't know. I, Lord, I've got to talk like you tell me to talk. He says, yeah, but I'll tell you something. He says, you talk like that and the hungry will come to me. And they'll come through the complex speech and they'll come to me and they'll find me on the other side of it. Whether they understand you or not, it's immaterial. They'll know me because they'll come through it. And Jesus will say something like this. Probably one of his great, most offensive sermons. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. No, he's a cannibal. No, the Lord's saying, come, 
Come through the parabolic and through the riddle and behold the mystery of the kingdom. Come through it. Come through the veil. I don't understand him. Fine. Come through into something. Let the Lord grab a hold of your heart in the worship, in the, in the time with him. Find him. You think the Lord wouldn't purposely put up somebody who's parabolic that people don't understand? <laughs> to see if he can draw people to himself? In Mark 4, 11, 12, he said to them, the mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Those outside, everything is in parables. So they, although they look, they may not look and see. Wait a minute. What kind of church planning initiative is that? What kind of seeker-sensitive things going on there? You know, the Lord literally putting up parabolic language to actually throw people off? Do you think the Lord would do something like that to throw us off? Elijah did it to Elisha, remember? That isn't the way you do a plant a work of God, isn't it? I mean, that's what he said. He said here, he says, but to those outside, everything's in parables, so that although they look, they may look and not see. And although they hear, they may hear but not understand, so that they may not repent and be forgiven. Try that one doctrinally. <laughs> he said in uh, Luke 8, 10, you have been given the opportunity to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but for others, they are in parables so that although they see, they may not see. And although they hear, they may not understand. You know, me personally, I'm like, Lord, how are you ever gonna get anything done like this? <laughs> I, I mean, you're not making it easy for anybody. He's not. You know, that easy peasy Christianity thing, I don't think that exists with God. I mean, he's in, he's in pursuit, but he's, he's not necessarily making it where, where you have everything just figured out. Seems like to me, he's placed us in a complete utter dependency. I suffer you to hunger in the wilderness so that you would know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Listen to Romans 11. For I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters so that you may not be conceited. A partial hardening has happened to Israel until the full number of the Gentiles come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them. I will take away their sins. Romans 16, 25, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery. Listen now, you think this isn't important to the Lord? He said that, Paul said this in Romans 16, he said, it's been kept secret for all the ages. In 1 Corinthians 2, 7, Paul says, instead we speak the wisdom of God hidden in a mystery that God determined before the ages for our glory. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. You wanna hear it? 
You know it? We will not all sleep. But we will be changed in a moment. In the blinking or twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability and this mortal body is gonna put on immortality. Ephesians 3, 9, and to enlighten everybody about what God's secret plan is. What is the secret that's been hidden for the ages in God who has created all things? What is it? Paul's gonna say, pray for me also that I may be given the message when I begin to speak, that I may confidently make known the what? The mystery of the gospel. Paul's saying that even when I'm going to begin to utter this message, I need grace just to get it out of my mouth because I can't even proclaim the message unless God comes in and takes over my voice so that I can utter a mystery. Try it sometime. (laughs) Let's all stand together. It's challenging. What? What What is it? Death swallowed up in victory. Colossians 1, 25 through 27, he says, I became a servant of the church according to the stewardship from God given to me for you in order to complete the word of God. That is, here it is, the mystery that has been kept hidden from ages and generations. But has now been revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known to them the glorious riches among the Gentiles. Listen, here it is, here it is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I told my family on the way in this morning, I said, every Sunday feels like Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles all wrapped up into one. We just call it the PPT. (laughs) Can you think or imagine of something so great that God would want to union himself with you? Can you think of something more great that God would say, I'd like to demonstrate my promise to you, to give you my entire self to you, that I'd like to give you that full my full divine nature and install it into your frame. Well, we're going around trying to find it everywhere else and uh, get ourselves uh, all fixed up and stuff and the Lord wants to give us everything. You know, when he decided to preach this out of Isaiah 61, when he came out, he says, you know, it's, it's been given to me to give you the, oh man, uh, to give you uh, all of gladness for the spirit of heaviness. It was given to me to give you a cloak and a crown. It was given to me to give it to you. Who do you think you are? Are you the son of God? Are you the Messiah? Yes. It was given to me to give to you. 
and I want to give you everything. And you know what they did? They go to throw him off a cliff. (laughs) And let it not be said of us, uh, let it not be said of us when the Lord has placed us up against the stops and put us in a place of dependency and complete vulnerability, Israel. All he's wanting to do is give you himself every time. Because that's the mystery that's been hidden throughout all the ages. And every time your eyes and you're saying, oh, God, why am I in this situation? He says, look up, look up, look up. Because your redemption comes, draws nigh. I am your great redeemer. I am wanting to give you me and my heart. Oh, time and time again. And I pray that your heart and our heart together, you, the Israel of God, you, the one who have decided that you would be vulnerable before him and dependent before him, you, the Israel family of the Lord, would just look up. Over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, your enemies come against you in every direction. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't. Babylon's attacking and Greco-Roman ideologies attacking and Medo-Persia's attacking and all these things are coming against you, but you would just be like before the Lord. Even right now, as I close this, what are my eyes looking at? Do I, what are my ears listening to? Am I more interested in the news and my circumstances or am I looking at him? As I tell you, I've I've seen the Lord do this so many times. He will deliver. I can't fix that relationship. I can't fix that financial dilemma. I'm not meant to. I'm not meant to heal myself. No, no, no. I'm meant to look at him and let him decide. You, you, Father, you predetermined your goodness towards us and you love us. Oh, yeah. Steve said this, Psalms 107, verse 2, and let those delivered by the Lord speak out. And those whom he delivered from the power of the enemy, right? What is it? And let the righteous say so, right? Is that what you're saying? And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so let it be so. Hey. Hey, let it be so. Let it just be so. Let it be what the Lord has said to you. That's the promise that he's given you and he's placed inside of you. Hey, it is what it is. Let the redeemed say so. Yeah, I say so. You say so. I say that what you said is in fact the truth. No matter what any other circumstance says, no matter what anybody else says, let the word of God be true and every man be a liar. I place my full confidence in you, Lord, right? Amen, amen. I know you do. I know you're the kind of people like that. May you be encouraged in the word today. Be encouraged in him. Keep your eyes on him. Don't put your eyes on man. 
focus on the Lord and have a wonderful, wonderful week. And may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. the night.